You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon joined by Chris Flum and we are bringing you another mailbag edition of the Chris and Joe Show answering your questions that you sent into us via our Facebook or our Instagram or Twitter, wherever you send us our questions. We have them. We're answering them. We've got five great questions that we're going to be answering on today's show. If you do have NFL draft-related questions before the draft comes around, we're officially on the two-week mark until the first pick is in on April 23rd. If you still have questions, feel free to send us them at any point in time. You can directly DM us at Joe DeLeon or at Raptor MKII. You can also tweet and tag us. We've had people do both things. In addition to following us and liking the Facebook page, sending a question through there through the direct message button, as well as directly messaging us on Instagram at big underscore blue underscore view. Tons of options for you to send questions. If you have any questions at all, we are more than happy to answer them. And we've had a lot of varying different questions over this long span of time as we lead up to the anticipation of the NFL draft. And today's questions are very unique, very fun. Why don't we get right on into it? Our first question from Neil Kenovan. He has two questions. This is a two-parter that we're going to be answering. The first question is, what are your thoughts on Chase Claypool in the third round? Well, in my opinion, I think Claypool is going to be a really good option for the you know, as a receiver in this receiver class. I think the third round, as a, there's a possibility it could be a little bit too high, depending on how things shape out and where these receivers start to go. If they start flying off the board, then I could see Claypool being an option in the third round for the Giants. But I, I think he is a, a very unique receiver prospect. But at the same time, he may not really be what the Giants need because they already have a, a bigger athletic receiver in Darius Slayton well I think just in a vacuum as a prospect Claypool does really fit what Dave Gettleman loves in a wide receiver he's got size he drafted Kevin Kelvin Benjamin in the first round back in 2014 he drafted uh Devin Funchess in the second round Dave Gettleman loves big receivers he made a point of signing and re-signing Cody Latimer who has again since been allowed to leave but still and he also at least since becoming the Giants general manager, has shown an affinity towards athletic prospects. You know, he made Lorenzo Carter a target of his. Obviously, we saw him fall in, quote-unquote, full-bloom love with Saquon Barkley. And Chase Claypool really does combine both of those things. He is a big receiver, but also incredibly athletic. You know, he is kind of a Vincent Jackson-type wide receiver. 
moving a little bit closer to the Giants, that that is something they do need. They do need that Vincent Jackson type receiver to make an air Coriel offense go. Now, when it comes to this draft, I actually swing kind of the other way. I'm not sure he Claypool is going to reach the Giants at the bottom of the third round at 99th overall. I think there is a distinct possibility he goes somewhere in, in the second or at least before the Giants get a chance to draft him at the bottom of the third. Uh, it would certainly be kind of a kick in the pants if he if the Jets draft him with the pick they received for Leonard Williams. But I think that could be the range in which he goes because guys with his size and his athleticism are rare. And teams know you have to invest to get those guys. Claypool really fits under that threshold of, or that mold rather, of a guy that has so many athletic traits that teams are probably going to overdraft his value. Not saying that Henry Ruggs would be overdrafted, but it's almost like that situation where Ruggs might get drafted over some of these other receivers because of that rare athletic ability that he has, that rare speed that teams are going to be seeking out. So because he has those tools, there is a shot that he could get drafted higher, like you're saying, Chris. The other part of the question that Neil had is, what do you think of the wide receiver and safety from Minnesota? So he's referring to Tyler Johnson and Antoine Winfield Jr. We have talked up Antoine Winfield Jr., numerous times on this show when talking about our favorite defensive prospects. He was one of those guys, a smaller compact safety that can play as a a nickel slot corner, whatever you need him to do, move him around. He is relatively versatile despite not being a bigger safety and has some pretty good athletic traits to go along with it as well. In terms of Tyler Johnson, he was pretty productive in his time at Minnesota, and this is all pure speculation, but from what I've I've read, and I think particularly Matt Miller has been the one who's reported on this, is that some teams are worried that Tyler Johnson has some character issues. Now, I'm not putting anything behind that and saying that I'm validating that statement, but I, I can say that there are rumors that there's a chance that he could slide a little bit because of those character issues. Yeah, you know, we have definitely talked up Antoine Winfield a bunch, and I will say he is one of my favorite players in this entire draft to watch. He really reminds me of Tyron Matthew meets Will Hill, just that ability to be all over the field and be a playmaker when he gets to the ball. He just arrives with bad intentions and good things happen for his defense. So yeah, I definitely love him. I would love to see him become a giant. As for Tyler Johnson, he is, I think he is a good wide receiver. You know, he isn't the flashiest guy, but you know, he does have some savvy to his game that will probably allow him to translate into the NFL with a pretty short learning curve. You know, he's a good route runner. He's got good hands. He should be dependable for an offense. Now, that is leaving aside any off-field or character concerns that teams might have. And especially with the way this draft process has been disrupted, that could weigh heavily on teams if they don't get a chance to actually conduct the real thorough background checks that they normally do. You know, Teams, if they're not sure about a guy and they haven't been able to find out enough to be comfortable, they might just say, you know what, we'll let some other team roll the dice on him. Yeah, and right now there's really so much room for error because of what we're dealing with and not having those private workouts to 
get to know a prospect better or getting to talk to them as much at these pro days because a majority of them have been canceled. I don't know if off the top of my head if Minnesota had their pro day or not, but if if you can't conduct that necessary background research on a guy and get to know him a little bit better, those things will typically get squashed pretty easily if if you can meet a guy and get to know him and change your perspective on him. But if there are rumors and those things continue to um, build up and there's no way to get rid of them, then, well, that could very well hurt Tyler Johnson's draft stock. And the only real person I've really seen that from, I could be wrong if there's more people, is Matt Miller, who has been uh, reporting that he's hearing from scouts that Johnson does has have some character and mentality issues when it comes to being a teammate. Our next question from Cody Kaser is, if the Giants don't draft Isaiah Simmons, is Jeremy Chin a similar prospect they may look at in the second. Well, that's depending on if Jeremy Chin makes it that far. There are some mock drafts I've seen Jeremy Chin sneaking his way into the end of first rounds, but I, I don't want to say that that Chin is a similar prospect just because they play two different positions. Simmons is an outside linebacker with versatility to play safety, be an edge defender, and move around and even cover guys in the slot. Jeremy Chin is a safety that has the versatility to play linebacker. And I know it sounds like I'm saying the same thing here, but they're slightly different. They're not the same exact mold, but they do have similar athletic makeups and do have the same base of versatility. Now, if they do not go with Simmons or hypothetically if Simmons gets drafted before the Giants and Chin is still on the board in that early second, I would not be opposed to taking him. Safety is still a need, and you could use him in multiple ways. Yeah, the the positions they played for the schools they played are different. It might be subtle differences at some at some points, but it is different. Not to mention the level of competition is um, radically different. Jeremy Chin was not playing against that LSU offensive buzzsaw or Ohio State in the college football playoffs. Yeah. Nothing against his team, his level of competition, but it's just different. That being said, they do have very similar traits, and Chin isn't quite the athlete that Simmons is, but he is an exceptional athlete, especially for his size. And maybe if Chin had wound up on Clemson being coached by Brent Venables, maybe he could have played a similar position as Simmons, because Simmons does have that background as a defensive back. He was originally trying to be recruited by uh, Brett Bielema at Arkansas, and they just didn't really know what to do with a safety his size, so he wound up at Clemson. The traits are similar, and it is possible that with some coaching, with some development, Chin could play a similar role. The traits do certainly look similar, and obviously the the level of play is very different, like you pointed out, Chris, but I think he could still serve as a a very good secondary option like we've talked about previously. I mean, we even said he's he's kind of a poor man's Isaiah Simmons, Jeremy Chin is, because he has this almost similar athletic build. He's slightly different. He's not the Isaiah Simmons that you're getting, but you can still get a, a very, very good player in the top of the second because he's coming from the FCS level. 
And, you know, he is kind of not the only one in this class, which kind of leads us into our next question. Yep. Perfect transition there. Our next question is from JB, Jman J on Big Blue View. His question is, one thing people are not talking about is how the safety position in this draft might be the deepest ever. And if you consider Simmons a hybrid linebacker safety, then it's even better than that. But to me, Simmons is not the only prototype guy who might be a window into the future of NFL defenses, where basically you have linemen and a bunch of guys that are 6'2 and up who can run like cornerbacks and hit like linebackers. Do you think we are not far off from the NFL backfields becoming somewhat positionless with everyone just being a defensive back or a lineman? Think about think about what you could do schematically if you had Simmons, Chin, Duggar, all on the field together. So this is a really interesting question. And I, when I read through it the first time when we put it in our outline, it made me kind of think of how the NBA is changing. And if you're not a fan of basketball, I'm sorry for using this analogy, that it's transitioned to not having various prototypes for every position, but pretty much every guy is 6'7 to 6'10. And they all have very similar skill sets. And it's starting to look like that defensively for some of these teams. Now, I don't know how long until we actually reach that point, but it seems like smart defensive coordinators are taking guys that maybe don't work as well in other defensive schemes, but because of how versatile they are physically, they can use them in multiple situations. And just in general, being able to keep all of your guys on the field at once is a huge, huge positive for your defense that you don't have to keep subbing guys in and out of packages if you have guys that can cover tight ends and also receivers that are your linebackers and safeties well that makes things so much easier for you if you have guys that are smart enough to do all that stuff it makes things a lot smoother and can elevate the level of your defensive play yeah absolutely i think that's a trend we've kind of been seeing in the nfl over the last couple years longer at the college level the nfl is kind of catching up just playing catch up to college as NFL offenses are adapting and adopting college offensive concepts. So I think we are kind of getting to a place where at certain positions on the field, we don't really see discrete position groupings with discrete archetypes of, you know, this is what a Sam linebacker looks like. This is what a will linebacker looks like. This is what a strong safety looks like. This is what a middle linebacker looks like where you can just kind of sort guys neatly. And then if anybody doesn't really fit, they just get thrown onto special teams. I think we're starting to see really just a spectrum of players where you have guys who might be a little undersized for what used to be a will linebacker. But now that spacing, speed, range, coverage ability, blitzing ability are all getting to be so much more important than they used to be smaller guys guys who used to be considered tweeners that is now an asset so a guy like isaiah simmons or jeremy chin or some of the other guys like uh troy die as a linebacker uh kyle duggar these guys who are who used to be too big for their position or too small for another position they they now fill a number of roles and they can be moved around to counter the matchups that an offense is trying to create. So 
the defense has less of a chance of getting caught with its pants down. I don't really think also that we'd ever get to that point where it would be all defensive backs and then just your 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 front linemen in, in on your defense. I think that what we'll eventually transition to is a, a prototypical mold just for linebackers, a prototypical mold for corners, and a prototypical mold for safeties that you can use them in multiple spots. You can move them around, uh, and, and safeties will have some crossovers with those linebacker positions. And that's kind of like what we have with the, with the college levels. A lot of guys that are tweeners, and that's the transition we're starting to see with the NFL is that we're starting to see more of the college game coming into the NFL. And that's, that's pretty much how it's always been. The college game was around before the NFL game and what has always worked before in the college game has always found its way into the professional game at one point or another. Yeah. And it does sometimes take a while because NFL coaches, they, there are more than a few of them who know what they know and NFL evaluators who know what they know and they aren't, they, they don't really want to change and adapt that readily. You know, there are some who are constantly reevaluating. Uh, Bill Belichick is a famous one for constantly checking in with college. He keeps up relationships with Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, uh, a few other college coaches, and he really tries to keep his finger on the pulse of the college game. So that kind of gives him a a view into what kind of players are going to be coming into the NFL and how he can use them best. Also, it really lets him know what college offenses are doing to score as many points as possible, as efficiently as possible, which is another thing that is important in the NFL and kind of a, a mentality that we are seeing take the NFL by storm. And some college coaches are, are, uh, NFL coaches rather are a bit more stubborn than others and the ones that are forethinking are the ones that have the most success that being why Bill Belichick has had this reign of terror in the NFL for so long <laughs> or dominance I guess is probably the better word but terror for for some, some teams uh, I would say terror for the rest of the AFC East <laughs> I, I would say they definitely live in terror yeah if you're a Patriots fan it's dominance if you're not a Patriots fan it's considered terror maybe not for the Giants but uh, we have two more questions that we're going to answer but before we get to them we're going to take a very short commercial break Next question from Jay Barrel One is how far is too far to trade down in the first round? I think we had a similar question like this at one point, but I think considering how far would be too far in this situation, you have to take a look at what you're getting. Now, if you were getting somebody that's completely mortgaging out multiple years worth of first round picks to move up to four that's in the 20s, I don't think that would be too far to move, but unless you're not getting a completely lucrative deal, I would say probably inside to outside, like at the very edge of the top 15 would be too far because then you're, you're pulling yourself out of an opportunity to get one of those top tier guys. You can still draft a very good player at that top 15 range, but you don't want to go any further that you're missing out on more players. Yeah, I would say um, barring a franchise changing haul, you know, basically the ability to have multiple first round picks, multiple second round picks for the next year or two to drop back to say the roughly 20 range. I I would probably put my floor where I'd be comfortable at 12 with the 
Las Vegas, which is going to sound weird for a long time. Raiders. Yeah, they they have multiple first round picks, so the Giants could potentially get pick twelve and pick nineteen. And they could potentially be looking to trade up for a quarterback. You know, we don't know. We right now nobody really knows what could be going through John Gruden's mind. You know, maybe they are enamored with Isaiah Simmons and want to move up for him. And then, you know, maybe the Giants could trade back and maybe get still be able to get one of those top offensive tackles and fill their need at wide receiver. Maybe they could get Clavon Chasen to be that that edge rusher they don't really have right now. But outside of that, I I'm not sure I would be comfortable trading back to like 13, 15, that range. Yeah, the, that would really put yourself in a, in a difficult situation if you moved back even further. I, again, you'd have to be getting a seriously good deal to move past that 15 spot. Like, like in the terms of multiple first round picks in future years to move back that far. But I mean, but besides that, you really are putting yourself in a position to miss out on some of these top level guys. Maybe someone's sliding and you're willing to take a bet that they slide into that spot for the giants, but don't want to move back too far and miss out on, on a lot of the available talent in the top 15. Our last question from Anthony Del Gino is how high a pick do you think the giants should use on a center? We have talked about centers a lot lately over the past couple weeks. Uh, we had an episode where we discussed our favorite centers. We uh, we talked to uh, multiple of our favorite centers. We answered a question about the top centers in the draft class in the last mailbag. And I thought this was a very fair question to answer. You're on how high would, would do you think that the Giants could go? I honestly feel that that early second round pick that the Giants have would be a great opportunity for them to draft someone like Cesar Ruiz if he is still available and he's still on the board. I don't think that would be a reach. I think that getting an interior guy like him would have an immediate impact and you need to snag up as many or as early as possible one of these centers. Otherwise, you're going to completely miss out and have to take someone that's not as much of a a step in and play type of guy. Yeah, I would definitely say 36. Unless the Giants are able to net a second first round pick and a trade down like we were just talking about i would definitely say 36 uh cesar ruiz or lloyd cushionberry if they are there they would have to be in heavy consideration for that pick otherwise i wouldn't want to risk taking one lower than the third round pick at 99th overall i think after that point it's unlikely you're going to get a guy who is capable of starting really gives the Giants the the toolbox they need in the middle of their defense to kind of solidify the interior, to call the protections like they need to be called, and to work with the Giants' guards. Now, I think there is still a chance they could get Tyler Biotish, uh or Matt Hennessy, one of these really starter-caliber centers that kind of dominate the top of the interior offensive line draft board past that maybe they're getting a guy who could develop but the giants don't need a developmental center they need a starter certainly and the giants don't have time to mess around with developing someone like you just said they need someone who can maybe not start at an elite level right away but can start and then improve and become 
a an, at least an above average starter is what they need they need better performances than what they've had over the past few seasons with different guys shifting in and out they need a a sense of consistency to solidify the middle of their offensive line that's going to be it for today's mailbag show thank you for tuning in folks be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us and also follow us on social media at big blue view you can follow me at joe de leon you can follow chris at raptor mkii at the start of next week we are going to project where we think certain teams will be going in what directions and who they might be taking before the giants and who the giants can also be possibly taking in those top five picks 